co-host Macy Larson and this week once again Becca and I could not match our schedules together we could not make them kiss therefore here I am but not alone today I'm joined by ghost hello ghost hello uh yes I am ghost also this... known as Cameron Craig yeah <laughs> you've been on the podcast before yes oh yes yeah if you remember uh, a couple times yeah Lilith and also just one of my fill-in guests. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. That was, man, that was forever ago. Yeah. Whoa. I've been doing this for over a year. Whoa. Wow. Yay. Um, so this week, <laughs> we're going to do something a little bit more informal. Um, one, because Beck is not here. And two, because we just got back from the gym and I don't feel like thinking more than I have to. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so some of you may know from listening to the podcast, uh, recently my... Or, the wrong long running campaign that I was in ended and it was very emotional and wonderful and amazing all the way through. Um, and Cameron was actually the one that wrote it and DM'd it. And so I was thinking it would just be kind of fun to talk about like the life cycle of a D and D campaign <laughs> and everything that goes into it. And like the differences between like the beginning of it versus the ending of it and how much like different it is. Um, Becca actually sent me something this week that was very accurate to it, and I will post it on the social media. It's just this, like, thing of this very ridiculous character in session one being a clown and, like, trying to fuck everything up, and by session 40, he's, like, the protagonist and, like, the big hero who's sacrificial. So, (laughs) I feel like I was very accurate to Everfall. Yeah. Actually. Although, yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so Cameron... How did the idea behind Everfall occur to you? Like, what was the catalyst that started? Oh, jeez. Everything, comma, everything. everything. Oh, jeez. Uh, so the start was, well, it was. So the first time I'd ever DM'd was in a, sort of a shared game setting where we all had like a world that we all we would all me and a bunch of other friends would uh, just DM different sessions. Um, and it was all within the shared world. And so finally, after I'd done that a little bit and I finally was like, okay, I think I understand a little bit, at least a little tiny bit about how DMing works. Uh, I'm going to start a game and I, the, I think this core for me was I really wanted to like build a game where I would build the world and then let the players do whatever they wanted and just see where everything went. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the sort of initial idea I think was I will build a world and a whole planet and it'll be all fleshed out at least a little bit. And then as the players kind of like move through this world, then they will impact it and change it and things will evolve and the world will change based on what the players are doing. And that was like my whole big grand scheme and plan. (laughs) Did you have any guidelines for like what kinds of things the players could choose to be? Uh, No, uh, actually one of the first things that I really wanted is I wanted the players to be able to do kind of anything. So like a big thing for me, for example, is like, there've been a lot of different times where I'd wanted to play like really weird, like off the wall types characters. And I had had, a couple opportunities to do, well, I'd had one specific opportunity to do that because one DM decided he wanted to run a villains only campaign. So that worked. That went that way really well. <laughs> but like something I always really wanted to do was like play a vampire in a game. And so for this game, what I wanted to do is I wanted to let the players sort of try and do whatever they wanted to do. Um, like whatever their long term goals were, that was going to be fine. Like no matter what it was, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I was one of the players in this campaign, uh, with two different characters. And the first one I started with was Gaslin, my good, good octopus lich girl. (laughs) Um, and when she started, she just wanted to be a lich and that was her whole deal. And I was very timid. I thought I was being very grand in my idea because like (laughs) I had just listened to the adventure zone. Uh, and so like they brought in liches and I was like, I want to be one of those. And so I'm going to be this this lich. Spoiler alert, there's oh. a lich <laughs> somewhere in Adventure Zone. Wow. I didn't um, know that's what actually inspired Gazel, though. That's really cool. Yeah, no, I just finished. Cool. Anyway, um, so I was like, I want to be a good guy lich, though. And so I wanted to be this, you know, goody two-shoes that wanted to become this evil demon for some reason. Um, but then when I joined the game, I realized I was far off because there was a flaming skull mm-hmm. was one of the characters. Yep. 
What were the other people? It was Nathan was playing Darius. Yeah, Nathan, Nathan basically wanted to play Doom Guy okay. as accurately as possible. Yeah. Which is funny because <clears throat> that lasted a session. <laughs> Largely because of uh, things that happened, I think. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so like uh, there were just like... Yeah, there's him, there's a Dragonborn, uh, then there was Mara, oh, and then there was... Travis's character. Oh, and Vice. Yes. And we've discussed Vice before, but he's the yes. fashion police. Yep. And my favorite thing is that, I didn't realize this until way later, but his weapons do extra damage, and they're dressmaker's needles, they do extra damage if the person is not dressed well. Wait, you didn't realize that? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, you weren't in the session he got them. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, no, that was like the first... What? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. That was, like, one of the first sessions where, like, I started, like, trying to give people, like, more powerful items because you guys had gotten to this point where I was like, okay, I need to start rewarding you guys with, like, real cool stuff. So I made those for Travis. <laughs> Specifically, I was like, here you go. <laughs> These are holy Avengers, but they don't deal radiant damage oh, to undead. Geez. They deal radiant damage to the unfashionable. I love that. Yeah. I did not know that until much... Because, like, he kept asking. Like, every time we'd go into an encounter, Travis would ask... Is this, how does this person look? Are they dressed well? <laughs> Camera would give, like, a yes or a no and describe their outfit. And then, like, in, it was my favorite when we'd go into, like, dungeons where it's just, like, zombies and shit. Because mm-hmm. he would just destroy. Mm-hmm. Destroy these guys. Yep. <clears throat> so then, uh, stuff kind of happened. And, like, in my head, like, I was definitely progressing just as Gaslin. Mm-hmm. So my, my thoughts were very linear. I was like, I need to figure out how to get to the Lich Empress. Because she can give me all the answers. To become a lich, and I would like to do that as soon as possible. And so, like, there was, like, a party, and we met Mulgrim, which was Nathan's mm-hmm. new character after Doom Guy. Um, uh, yeah, like, how, at what point did things start to, like, turn more narrative? Oh, geez, that actually, so... Or was yeah. that more endgame? No, yeah, so there, it's sort of, it's actually fairly, huh, let me see. That was a little bit more, like, mid-game, I would say, it was the point where I realized that was <clears> becoming really important. Because, so, the thing with Gazlin was interesting because, like, you wanted to go after the Lich Empress, the, the Lich Empress. And that was funny because the Lich Empress existed when I randomly generated the map. She mm-hmm. was on the map, and I was like, all right, there is a Lich Empress somewhere in this world. Um, and so, when you were like, I want to be a Lich, I was like, cool, I actually have a spot on the map that, that <laughs> will, eventually, you will probably try to get to. Um, anyways, off topic of the question. Uh, the question, but anyways, when things got more narrative, that was about the time, actually, the split happened. So, if you want to lead up to the split... So that's oh. like, it's funny because it's like, yeah, there's this whole segment of the game, which is like the sort of the non-linear, the players just moved east yeah. as they were like searching for something. Yeah, like, there were like <laughs> these pools that we could jump into oh, and yeah. they would like go to different world, a different, like a, like the upside down, essentially, if you've seen Stranger Things. It was literally that. Okay, I great. totally ripped off of it. <laughs> Sweet. That's what I thought it was. So, um, but then, yeah, so we'd go into this world and it was super cold and horrible and bad and then like. But we always got, like, fucking the sweetest loot. Oh, yeah. It was very generous loot. Yes. Generous with loot. This very whole good loot. <laughs> we were so dumb rich by the end of it. Oh, that was another big thing with the whole premise of the game. Is a big part of the premise of the game is I wanted magic to be, like, hyper-present in this world. So there was, like, tons of old magic. Yeah. And so it's like you guys were obviously finding magic items to sort of match that. But it was also, there was just, like, tons of old, like, lost, lost technology, lost magic, whatever. Um yeah, yeah. um but yeah so eventually like in my in my eyes gaslin realized that she was actually probably evil and then she had like her little lich bible and whatever <laughs> and so she met the lich empress no you sent a letter to her i sent a letter to the lich empress Which and she was after, like that's after the bottle though remember oh yes well the franklin thing the franklin yeah so i don't know if you all remember the franklin thing at episode 1 of this podcast Yes. I told the story of the Franklin event <laughs> where the little tentacle thing jumped in my mouth and then I grew tentacles and became a good, good octopus girl. Um, so I had Franklin and then I got a letter from the Lich Empress being like, yeah, cool, do whatever you want. And I was like, swag. <laughs> and so then Mulgram and Gaslin realized they were both evil and wanted, like, they had similar goals. Mm-hmm. Like, Gaslin wanted to be evil and Frank or Franklin. Mulgram wanted to rampage and Gaslin was like, I can get on board with that. So they ended up splitting from the group, and mm-hmm. Nathan and I, who play Gaslin and Mulgram, had already created our other characters, and so we joined the team as Ariel, a deaf woman who had lost her family. Mute woman. Mute, Mute woman, not deaf yeah. woman. <laughs> Mute woman who had lost her family, and then Constantine, 
Shostakovich, who was a... He was a cleric gunslinger. Thank you. Yeah. Boyo. Yeah. Which I guess another another setup part of the world was that there was the gods have almost no presence in the world, and that was something I wanted to toy with, of like, where did they go? What happened? Why did a paladin and a cleric randomly show up in the group? Yep. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was the split, and then Gaslin became a lich mm-hmm. via Mulgrim's sword and some poison. Yeah. And then they went and fucked off, and like, basically their story is they conquered an entire country. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. That was the that was the early part. Or the mid part. That was the mid the middle of or the middle end of your guys' escapades. Mm-hmm. And then it went on towards accidentally, yeah, being good guys again. <laughs> oh yeah. And then we accidentally helped the good guys win at the end and it was like, damn it. Yeah. Um but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get so, there. So anyway, so the split happened. So bad guys yes. and good guys. So yeah, so the the big the big reason that the narrative stuff started happening more is actually so when the split happened um, I realized sort of a problem with my initial approach. So my initial approach was very much like, let the players do whatever they want, go in whatever direction the players seem interested in, just throw a lot of information, throw a lot of like world at them and see what they stick with. Mm-hmm. Uh, what that ended up leading to is that two people in the party wanted to go one way and everybody else was like more interested in something else. Um, and so at that point, it seemed that the, the story thread everyone was most interested in was vampires. They were like, I think we all want to go kill vampires. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, because you guys had met a vampire early on. It was like second or third episode. And been like, okay, there's this evil vampire who's like this bad guy. And so we want to go after the evil vampire. And that's what you guys wanted to do. So, at the, just for DMs that might be listening, how many different like story hooks at the very beginning of the world did you even have planned? Or did you have anything planned? Or were you just going to let us explore until something like inspired uh, no, I had, basically the way I approached it is I had a world map. I randomly generated a world map initially. And then what I did is I went, I blocked it off into countries and then I started adding lore to different countries and to different factions in the world. I wanted the different factions to be fairly like developed. And you guys just so happened to start in the like traditional fantasy faction where everything's like pretty stable politically, like everything's kind of normal. Uh, it's pretty much what you would expect from a D&D game, but there was these other factions across the world. And so I started setting up those factions, um, and pretty much from the get go, there was, I think five of them that were like four or five of them that were sort of in influencing your guys's game. Um, and then you guys found three more, I think throughout, and those ended up being like little mini arcs. So <clears throat> for one of them was you guys went to a city called Duini and I t- killed some mind flayers. So that's actually two separate like factions that happen there because the city of Duini has its own lore and its own history and then the Mind Flayers had their own lore and their own history. And so you guys kind of pursued that little path as like a small arc that happened. Um, the Mirror World, the Cold Mirror World, that was one. Um, there was this group of highly trained soldiers that was one. The Vampires were one. The Succubus um, kind of country was one. Anyways, so those are sort of, that's sort of how I approached it. I went and just put things on the map and said, these things exist. If the players go after them, they do. If they don't, they don't. So was it the split then that actually, like, so that, like, we're going after vampires now that, like, sparked the rest of the story? Yep, pretty much. Yeah, from then on, I was like, okay, then if we want to go after vampires, I knew that, um, well, there's two things that happened there. Is one, everyone wanted to go kill vampires, so I was like, okay, cool, I know that the whole party is at least on board with killing vampires. And then other people in the party had, I wanted to look at everyone's backstory and what everyone's goals were. And I think two of the characters that had the most, like, like the more prominent or, like, long-term goals that I could sort of, like, hook onto was um, uh, Alex Lowe. He was on the podcast a while back. His character, um, his sister had been murdered, and so he wanted to get revenge for his sister. And so that was, that was like, one arc that I was like, okay, I can go through the revenge for his sister arc. And then long-term, he wanted to get a flying castle. Mm-hmm. And build a city in the sky that would be peaceful and happy um, after having lived in a lot of very unhappy cities. And then there was your character, Ariel, who had lost her family. And so that was really easy because you lost your family. So there's three different people in your family that were now scattered throughout the world somehow. And so that was just an easy way to like add more emotional context to going to kill vampires. And then that's when we had the... Um, I had, we had a, a session that was like, it was a party, um, there's a huge party called the Imandrel Summit, which was like the summit for this country, where like a bunch of different people from all the different factions that I'd been building all met in one place, and the party got to interact with all the leaders of these different factions from across the world, and then that's when you guys met 
Vitrium. The, the big, big bad. Yeah, the big bad for the, from the vampire faction. Mm-hmm. And that sort of sparked that whole arc. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she cornered me after she froze me. Yeah, she cast, um, what was it? It was like command or, I think it was command or something. It just made you sit still. She cornered me and then threatened my whole family. And I was like, you're a bitch. I'm going to kill you. And that's Mm -hmm. really uh, the beginning of the end. Yep. Was that. Um, And then on top of that, she killed my only living friend. Mm -hmm. Which was, oh man, that was good. That was one of the first, yeah. I think I have told the story. But basically, Vitrum was running around and she was like, we can't fight inside of the summit because that's not politically correct. And then Constantine <laughs> was like, fine, then fucking fight me outside. And so they fought outside and then Vitrium like laughed a little bit. And then all the smoke came off of her. Like, I think Constantine like buried his gun in her head and killed he her. He blew a portion of her head off. Yeah. And then as she was like falling, the smoke all went away. And then it was Ariel's best friend, the only person she still had contact with. Uh, she had like possessed him essentially mm-hmm. and so Constantine had killed Ariel's best friend that yep. was a really cool moment Ariel's other best friend killed her other best friend <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> uh so yeah so that was the beginning of the well this bitch room girl isn't all that great I don't like her very much at all mm-hmm. <clears throat> I guess so on that note like for DMs and stuff like that I think that was probably one of the best decisions I made early on is that I was trying to figure out how can I get the party to really rally behind killing vampires beyond just, beyond just like, oh, we're going to go kill vampires. How do I give you guys a, an antagonist that is really, really like, you really hate this person. And that was what I really wanted with Vitrium. And so when you guys first met her, I was like, okay, I have to make her so horrible and evil that you guys all hate her. Even if you're not Ariel, like everyone needs to be like, this person's terrible and I want to kill her. And so that ended up being, and it worked actually really well because Everybody hated Vitrium by the end of that session. And everyone liked Ariel. Mm-hmm. So I think seeing Ariel be that distraught. Yep. Everyone was like, well, if not for me. Yep. And for Ariel. Yep. It's like, hell yeah. Yep. I love being the emotional catalyst. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> also, interesting thing that was funny, it was trying to figure out how to build an enemy that the players could not kill. And the solution for that was make it so that they don't actually... Uh, they never actually physically appear themselves. They just manifest in other people's bodies. Which so, was a bunch of bullshit. Yep. It was so bullshit and so great. I can never use it again now, but yep. it was great. Never again. Because <laughs> if you do, we'll just run straight to the radio tower and blow it up again. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so then I think that was after... I think that Ariel at the summit had gotten like a hint that maybe... Her son, so it was, she was looking for her son, her daughter, and her husband, mm-hmm. and it was that her son was, had been maybe kidnapped by a slaver's guild. Yes. Which tied into Alex's Sister's character's, murder. his name was Schwoof at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Schwoof was from this really seedy place where the slaver's guild existed, so we went to the slaver's guild and found that they were all being charmed, I believe, or like brainwashed of some kind. Well, the they slavers... could barely form... Like, thoughts. Because luckily, Ariel was telepathic, and so she just got around that bullshit. You're talking about the slaves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Slavers Guild had been capturing and uh, basically just putting people on a magical, like, like drugging them magically and using that to control the slaves and manage them. And then, yeah, you were able to get enough information to know that Fenton had been sold conveniently wow. a week ago. <laughs> to a, a vampire woman. Ago. Yeah. I was like, oh, I wonder who that could be. No. Um, yeah, and then I don't think we got any information on... Yeah, so we went and chased her into a cool room and fought Mm -hmm. her, and then Constantine got turned into a vampire. Oh, yeah. He sacrificed his life for my son. God bless. Constantine Jostakovich. So dramatic and so wonderful. Oh, my gosh. So many good narrative moments. Roleplay is the best. Fight me, anyone who loves combat more than (laughs) roleplay. Honestly. That was um, actually, on that note, that session was really interesting because I had to figure out how to have six players in a room that, I'd have six players in the room and put them in a position where none of them was going to try and do something stupid to, like, get Ariel's kid killed. So I had to position it so the vampire had so much control that she could just rip the kid's head off immediately. Which was just really fun for yeah. me the whole time. Yeah, it was, it was very good. stressful. Mostly because... The other four people we were with, I did not trust to not do anything dumb. <laughs> um, yeah, so we saved him, and then 
Constantine turned into a vampire. Oh yeah, that was that was the solution for them. Was Constantine oh, offered yeah. himself up in exchange for the kid, and so she, the vampire, accepted. And, and then Constantine prayed, and his blood tasted bad. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. Real bad. Real bad. So then we saved Constantine, and he became an Iron Man vampire. Yep. Because there was a thing in his chest that was lighting up that saved him from whatever poison or magic or whatever. Made it so he could still be a good person, yep. relatively, while being a vampire. Kept the emotional shrapnel away from his dead heart. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, <clears throat> was that when the split split happened? For for who? Moist versus three team? Uh, that's when it started. That was the sort of when I realized... Yeah, so that was something we had, is that we started to get a tonal shift between the players, because there were seven players in this game. Yikes. And we had three players that were especially narrative-focused, which was you, Nathan, and Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had four other players that were, like, a little bit more, like, into, like, kind of having fun and, like, just doing random stuff and being murder hobos, and it was great. But that was, the two did not tonally line up particularly well. And so that was when we started doing sessions separately, which of course led to me now running three games because I had the two evil characters that had split earlier, and then I had the three serious narrative characters, and then I had my four murder hobos, and that was, yeah, three very different games all taking place in the same world following the same timeline, and boyo. And then hopefully, ideally, getting all of them to line up at some point, which thankfully worked out. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, the keeping track of time was... Real fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, random like DM tip. tip: write session recaps after every session. It's so helpful. Yes, you will remember the sessions better if you write them down, and then the players can read them and know what happened. Because if inevitably you do not play for a month, they will be like, "Oh, right, that's what happened last game." Yeah. Lord knows there was one session where there was a lore dump. Yep. And even after reading the session recap a couple times, I still don't remember what happened in that. Yeah, that was a bit much. Yeah. Um, Rude. Fortunately. Fortunately, I was able to get you guys the the key pieces of information at the end and a sort of a summary of, like, this is the most important things you got mm-hmm. out of this. Destroy tower, do this thing, <clears throat> do this other thing. Yeah. So then, I think the rest of the sessions, like, leading up to the finale were just, like, kind of, like, little missions. I don't think there was anything particularly, like, grand that happened, because there was, like... So, I, it was after this point that I don't actually know what happened with 14. Oh, there's the them. husband thing. Yes. No, I was getting at that. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't really know what happened with 14, but, like... We ended up going to a dragon who had bought Ariel's husband, and then he mm-hmm. was like, hey, listen, the big bad vampire that you're trying to find and kill, actually, he's got this thing that I want, so I need you to go get that, and then I'll give you your husband back. And then there was this really, really sweet, amazing moment where I got to see my husband, and again, fight me, anyone who thinks that combat <laughs> is better than roleplay, because, oh my god, it was so good, man. Roleplay moments. They're yes. so good. Yes. <laughs> she got to see her husband again for the first time in the whole, like, five months they were adventuring. And it was so good. Mm-hmm. But you only got to see him for, like, a minute. For, like, a minute. And it was yeah. so good. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, I forgot. We forgot that right after you got uh, the kid back and after Constantine got turned into vampires when we did the finishing Alex's arc, that was the next thing we did, which was together. Oh, we oh yeah. We overthrew We'd... the Slaver's Guild. Yeah. Goodbye, so, Slaver's Guild. Yeah. Hello leads to the rest of my family. Yep. So then we got Hudson. Yep. And then, was that the beginning? Like, the actual yes, beginning? Yes, that was the, the actual end? beginning of everything. Because after that, well, then it was going to finding C- uh, Cyril. Yeah. Cyril. So then we had a lead on where my daughter <clears throat> would be, and she was five years old. Everyone, five. Five years old. Count them. Five years. You can count them on one hand. Five. Um, so we went and found this woman who didn't have any of her memories back, but she seemed super stupid powerful. Um, and so we adopted her onto the ship. She came with us. This fire mage wizard person. Fire mage wizard person. She was real cool. Her name was Cyril. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't remember anything. And she was the only person that we knew that must have had my daughter Noelle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she remembered right as we were getting on the ship. It was, uh, you guys had to go into one of her memory vials. So you went into one of her memory, because basically what it was, she was storing her memories in vials, and if you went into the vials, you'd go into the astral plane, and you could solve a puzzle, and that would unlock her memory. So you did that. So we unlocked the memory of her losing my daughter. Yep. To the same vampire woman who had my son, which was, again, a bunch of bullshit, because we thought we'd killed her. Um, so then, we're like, oh, well, that sucks, let's go get her, and then... 
really just a lot of really dark, dramatic stuff happened after that. Like, I'm talking about it really lightheartedly right now. But, like, there was one session where it was the whole group came back together. And we fought, like, this big, scary creature. And we fought, like, Vitrium's brother. And then, like, all this stuff happened. And our ship broke down. And we couldn't fly anywhere anymore. And it was super hopeless. And we were stuck in the middle of this fog. And then Vitrium, the vampire, walks out of nowhere. And she's like, huh, I can't believe what the wizard did to your daughter. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, you don't know. And then it was revealed to me that my five-year-old daughter was now 16 years old. And so Ariel was crushed because it's only been five months. How is that possible? Um, And it was so hopeless because we couldn't do anything about anything. So it was really fun because after we hung up that call, like after we ended that session, I was so despondent for like an hour at least. And then Cameron was so sweet and started poking fun about how Ariel would never get to have any conversations about, like, the birds and the bees and never have those fun moments with her daughter anymore. And I legitimately started crying. And then he felt bad, and I felt much better. Because at least he felt bad. Uh, I wasn't so, even really trying to poke fun. I was just like, it was like, you were just I was making just like, comments. oh, yeah, this would, that, oh, weird, funny moment, funny thing, right? No, you said, yeah. ha you'll never get to talk to her about the version of Vs or something. And then I actually rolled over and started crying. Yeah, that was unexpected. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were definitely poking fun, sir. Yeah. And then did things kind of stayed bad for a while. No, then it was, yeah. Then that you was had the one worst more session. One. You had one more session of like, geez, this is all lame. Yeah. Because the whole town get murdered. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even the worst one. <laughs> I know. And then... Cyril, yeah, so basically we're just telling the story now. So Cyril <laughs> ended up, yeah, we'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled content. Um, so then we went into a cool, it was Duini, again, the same Mind Flayer Town thing that we found. And there was this cool lab that oh, had yeah. all this information about this guy that was trying to, like, figure out how to, like, basically it was, like, psionic draining yeah. energy, which was, like, the key to the end of the game. Yep. Um, and Cyril was like, I will sacrifice myself and become the thing that all the souls must be in in order to save your daughter, Ariel. And I was like, no. And everyone was like, no, we love you, Cyril. Even though I did hate Cyril because then we learned that she did lose my daughter. And at that point, I hated Cyril because Cyril was the one that turned my daughter 16. Um, so I hated Cyril a bunch, but I still like cared about her and stuff because, you know, I was a mom and I had to care. And so. she wasn't a bad person. She was just very, like... Yeah, she had a bunch of issues. She was and very your irresponsible. Daughter was, your daughter was trying to help her with her issues, and then 16 years, or 10 years passed. And yeah. Sadness. 11 years 11 passed. Years. Yeah, sorry. Don't diminish my pain. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and then after that one, I think that was truly the beginning of the end. Like, we yeah, approached... Yeah, then that's... Then you guys attacked the tower. We attacked the tower. So there's this big tower that was, like, And we planted loud. a bunch of explosives. Yeah. And the idea was that... If we attacked the tower, it was basically, like, the cell tower. So if that tower went down, then the signal couldn't get out. And that's how she was appearing as other people or, like, possessing yeah, how, the bodies. That's how the vampires were essentially, like, broadcasting their power throughout this whole country. And so, yeah, once you broke that... And beyond. Then, yeah, and beyond. Then once you broke that, then their power was sort of limited to their main castle or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or their own physical presence. And then, yeah. Yeah, so then we went... We broke that. We exploded it real good. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and I think, that. oh, and during that was when I first got to see my daughter again. And she, like, walks in and she's, like, basically on a collar and she's been turned into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And Vitrium was like, put all your weapons down or I will kill her. So, of course, Ariel, like, yeets her weapons <laughs> all the way across the room. Not really. She puts them down gently. And then her daughter's like, wow, that worked much better than I thought it would. And she was being all bitchy and evil to me. Yep. And it hurt so bad. And then, <laughs> um, so it was like this big epic fight. And Constantine and uh, Lucius at this point, so Schwoof, were fighting Vitrium. And I was just trying to get my daughter into control. But I wasn't going to hit her because I was also a Path of Redemption paladin. And I was like, I'm not going to hit my own daughter. Even if she's trying to kill me, this seems bad. And so she ended up actually killing me. Yep. Because. <laughs> a couple blights later. <laughs> a couple blights later, directly at my face, yep. point blank, later, I died. And then I came back as a cool fiery angel woman. And like all the light shining and all of the cinematic movie moment. Mm-hmm. And like 
angel of peace, and I blew Noel's vampirism away for a minute, which was mm-hmm. fun. I got to have, again, a really touching moment with my daughter, who was like, I never thought you'd come for me. And I was like, no, of course I'd come for you. I'm your mother. <laughs> um, and it was much more touching and amazing than that, but, you know, I'm being me on this podcast. So... <laughs> Um, and then the darkness took over and Noelle fucked off out a window. She did herself out a window and towards a giant black funnel cloud. And then it was like, well, this must be the end. And that was the third to last session. And then we had the second to last session where Gaslin's bad guys joined the goodest guys. Yep. The goodest team and the baddest team. The goodest team and the baddest team joined forces, and the baddest team became a little bit more good that day. Gaslin's heart pumped three times that day, and it was bad, (laughs) and she hated it. Hated it a lot. So, there was, like, a bunch of flying, horrible monsters from... Oh, yeah, so if anybody's seen The Matrix, I just basically put Sentinels from The Matrix in this this D&D game. And they were tough, and we murdered them. We killed them really hard. And then... Big machine flying tentacle monsters. And then the dragon that had my husband showed up and was mm-hmm. like, here, have your husband. He might be useful, but don't try and take him. I have this collar on him and he'll die. And I was like, cool. Yeah. So we had Hudson and I was like, this is rad. And the dragon helped you. And the, yeah, I'm getting oh, to sorry, it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so then the dragon was like, all right, all I need is you guys to do this thing. And then I'm going to punch the shield surrounding this giant flying castle mm-hmm. that was right there. Uh, I will punch the shield so hard that I can then shove you through the hole and you will be inside and it'll be great. And so we're like, that sounds really cool. Please do that. And so we fought some <laughs> stuff and then the dragon was like, here you go. And like punched it like three times and just shattered the, the whole shield. And then it like regrew right as we like got into it. Yeah. It was great. We got in. Um, my favorite thing in the whole world that you did Really? Was that, as a DM, not really the oh. favorite thing, but in this moment, yeah. was that um, I appreciated you realizing that we were much too strong oh. to really make us just, like, slog through a whole tower worth of actual vampires, because we could, like, basically <clears throat> one-shot most of them. Yeah. So he had us just do the, like, you know, roll 66 and see, or 60, 20, and see how this goes. Yep. My favorite was, Ariel did decently, um, but... Gaslin, who now, like, had the ability to turn into, like, a crazy spider creature because she could harden her tentacles, mm-hmm. um, like, basically just walk-stabbed. Because I think <laughs> she crit five of the six rolls that she did. Yep. <laughs> and the other one was, like, a 19. So. Yeah. Anyway. So we get down this hall, and then we fought the Avatar of yeah. Kavar, which yeah. was the big bad, basically, Vitrim's dad. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, yeah, so we fought the Avatar. Which was basically a Tarrasque. Which was a Tarrasque. <laughs> it was a Tarrasque. Reskinned. Yeah. Just so because we... I wanted to say, be able to tell the party, yep, you guys stomped a Tarrasque yeah. in the second, second to last episode. That's how overpowered we were by the end of this. It was great. Yep, yep. As Nathan said, this is what happens when you let me buy off the menu. Yep. <laughs> and then... Uh, how much would damage you? <clears throat> oh, no, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. And then there was, like, this big heart thing... That was pumping all oh, the, yeah, it was the souls. Yeah, so what the dragons, what the dragons, the big, so the big red dragons wanted something that Kadavar had taken a long time ago. And what it turned out is back when all the gods went away, Tiamat died, and Kavar got his hand on the heart of Tiamat and was using it as like a conduit for all of his power. And so he had corrupted the heart of Tiamat and was using that to like be strong and like be a super crazy insanely powerful vampire so so, the dragon was like this is mine and took it and flew away and then hudson was free and it was great yeah and then we heard vitrum's voice over the intercom yeah well this is how it ends yeah let's do this oh boy and then we played the really sick csi miami theme song which was like yeah and that was the end of the session and then (laughs) The very last session was we walked into a big, great room, and Vitrium was standing in the middle of it. Yep. And my daughter, Noelle, the vampire, was sitting in, like, a shadow cocoon, and I was like, oh, no. So me and Hudson and Cyril walked up there, and we're like, what's wrong with her? And then Schwoof and Lucius and... Or Schwoof and Constantine. Thank you. Schwoof yeah. and Constantine proceeded to fight Vitrium, mm-hmm. and then I was like... After a couple of rounds, I was like, well, there's nothing I can do here for Noel. I am not this kind of magician. And then we tried to kill Vitrium. And then she went down. 
So yeah, you beat basically you guys. You guys fought Vitram. You beat Vitram's final like her final form. Her final well, her final like uh, strong form. Or well, uh, what's it like radio radioed in form, like not the original, <coughs> like second to not original form. Okay. So you killed that, and then the original actual Vitram came out, and she was super like weak and like not strong enough to actually fight. And then, and then Noelle showed up, like woke up and ripped her heart out. Yep, she'd been faking it. Noelle had been faking it because she's a crafty, crafty, sneaky person. I did not raise her to be this kind of girl. No. Yeah. Uh, when you raise a good girl and she becomes an evil vampire, she becomes worst a crafty girl, evil vampire. Apparently. <laughs> yep. Raise your kids to be bad folks. Yeah. Um, they won't become evil, crafty vampires. Yep. So then we then, had. It. Yeah, then you fought Noelle. And Noel was at this the actual point, big bad. Yeah, Noel was the actual big bad at this point because all of Kavar's remaining energy and power had basically gone into Noel. And at this point, it's when it was sort of hinted that like Kavar was sort of what was making all the vampires bad. But um, I don't know if that came through or whatever. But anyways, yeah. But anyways, yeah. So she was real powerful and real bad. And, and you guys all fought her. She like insta killed. Yep. Shostakovich. Yep. Constantine. Yep. Nathan's character. And then. Oh, because he was a vampire, and so essentially she took the vampirism back, which meant he died. (laughs) And then we tried to fight her, but again, Redemption Paladin was not going to hit her own daughter. Um, I decided Hudson was going to try and hit his own daughter because he was a level 20 fighter, and she had too much health, and I knew he really wasn't going to do that much. So, like, whatever, this is fine. Um, And then Lucius went down. Yeah, Lucius got knocked unconscious. And then we did a smash cut to Constantine meeting with a god. Yeah, Constantine met the gods. <clears throat> and, yeah, so that was cool. Because he was like, showed up with the gods, and the gods like, Hey, you've done a really good job. You are very faithful. And so... Uh, and then Constantine had this really amazing... Like, oh, the gods were like, so good. What can I do for you? What do you want? And Constantine was like, I... Like, he went through the whole party and said something good about everybody in the party and was like, I need you to help them. And it was, like, this really touching moment. And, again, if anyone ever thinks that <laughs> combat is better than roleplay, you are wrong. <laughs> Just, wow. Um, everybody was teary-eyed, I think, at that point. And mm-hmm. then Constantine came back full human and with yeah, it was the gods dumb said, power. Yeah, the gods were like, you need to figure out what you want now because you seem to care about all these other people. But what about you? So anyway, so now I'm going to send you back with some power to help your friends. Yeah. So then he... <clears throat> he came back. Everyone got the... Uh, basically got supreme oh, restoration. Yeah. So everyone got a full long rest. Long rest. From the gods. Which was so nice. <laughs> rest of the gods. Oh, man. Yeah. Best nap ever. And then... <laughs> yeah, then what happened after that? Oh, then, and then... Then stuff got real anime. Yeah. Then the and... ending of The Matrix. Oh, wait. Don't... Spoilers. Spoilers for The Matrix. I've or the ending Matrix. of other anime stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't anime. Yeah, we had a big anime. We had a big anime fight where the main three characters and Noel could all fly. So they flew off into a thunderstorm and fought Noel in a thunderstorm. It was really over the top and ridiculous. And I played epic music and it was was amazing. Yeah, (laughs) so basically it all culminated to like Ariel's daughter like losing her vampirism and basically. Oh, yeah. We're going to cut to that part. Just like the end of the final. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so there was like a huge thing. It was very, uh, um, Brotherhood. What is that called? Full Metal Alchemist. Like giant door in my head. Oh like, yeah. We found Noelle like in this space, and like she was facing actual Kavar, and she was like, "Mom, I didn't think you'd ever save me." And I was like, "I'm here." And then we fought this thing, and it was really cool. And then I saved her, and then we ended up back in the real world, and Noelle was like, fading. Yeah. A la the Avengers going off to nothingness. Yep. Um, I haven't seen that movie. I don't actually know what that event was called. Um, <laughs> and uh, so then I just cried a bunch. From that yeah. point on, I was just actually crying. Um, one, because roleplay. Two, because I had worked so hard to get my daughter back, and she was literally crumbling in my hands. Yep. And then Cyril was like, oh, my God, give me back to my workshop. And then she passed out. I was like, please, dear God, not anymore. So we got back to the <laughs> workshop, and, like, she... Put all the souls into vials, and then she's like... Oh, yeah, so to recap here, Cyril is the wizard that had Noel and that spent 11 years with Noel, and Noel grew up to be 16 with this person called Cyril. Cyril had no memories beyond 30 years before, 
because something had happened to her and she lost a bunch of her memories and then she'd been storing other memories other places. So that is Cyril the wizard. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then Cyril was like, come here, R.L. and Hudson. And then it turned out that Cyril was actually Noelle from like a different timeline. And so then I was like, oh my God. And then we got out of the memory and Cyril was just like, hey mom. And then she died. <laughs> I was like, That what? was planned though. You all knew she was going to die. No, I thought we could save her. Oh yeah, I mean. So you then she that. died. So I lost my daughter twice, and then this little like wisp thing goes into a machine, and the machine activates, and my five year old walks out of the machine. She's like, "I had the weirdest dream," and then I was sobbing for the rest of my life, pretty much. So for context, the, so the most. <clears throat> no, important I don't think thing, they need context. No, no, the most this important thing story. about this as a DM. So the most important thing about all of this as a DM, and the most difficult thing that I had to do with all of this, is that you have to try and you have to try really hard to foreshadow a lot of things. And so the only reason that ending sort of made sense is because I had established very clearly that the clone pods exist. Like, the spoke clone exists. And Macy knew because Gaslin found out about clone pods and knew the clone pods existed. So what happened, essentially, was when Cyril died, she, her soul went to the a five-year-old clone pod version of herself, which then brought a while back. Yeah. But all that had to be foreshadowed, so it wasn't the most random in the world. Yes, it still was a little random. So but. then I cried a bunch, and then we had a really sweet, like, really long epilogue where everybody got to be so happy. That was so good. It was so good. I didn't plan any of that. The players yeah. were just like, we're going to tell you what happened to our characters for, like, the rest of their lives. And I was like, this is so great. It was great. I think it was, like, an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. We just did an epilogue, and everyone lived happily ever after, pretty mm-hmm. much. It was much. amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, it was really <laughs> weird. So, like, as a wrap-up, it's real weird because... That was the first campaign that I had ever played in that I, like, really had a ton of investment. Mm-hmm. Like, I love R.A.L. I will always love R.A.L. And so it, it was, like, a really weird ending, that campaign, because I will never play R.A.L. again. There's never mm-hmm. a scenario in which I would want to rip R.A.L. from her current timeline. Because, like, we have, like, weird level 20 games where we can just, yeah. like, rip people from timelines and be like, go to hell. But, like, yeah. like literally. <laughs> literally. Um, Three but in. <laughs> there's no way that I would ever rip Ariel from her little, you know, perfect, in the epilogue, she, like, grows old and, like, her kids have kids and Noelle becomes, like, this really crazy, powerful, like, wizard who's still alive and, like, never got married and so we're doing Everfall Part 2 and she's still alive, which is nuts to me. So, anyway, so it's just really weird, like, actually laying a character to rest. Yeah. Like, I will never have to be her again. It's yeah. real weird. The follow-up to all of this will be, the follow-up session, if we have a sequel session to this, in like two years, will be what to do when you run a game that is the sequel to another game and in the same world 200 years later. Yeah. What 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 will happen based on what, what? you expected versus what your players actually did. So this is Everfall Part 1. Yeah. In two years, expect the second episode, Everfall Part 2. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. That was, that was great, yeah. Uh, do you have, are there any other questions we, or things we should talk about in terms of the overall... We kind of, like, like dumped a lot of information. But yeah. I don't know. What are so the big takeaways? I don't things know. Things don't I usually think... end where you expect. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Story yeah, makes like, things a lot more straightforward sometimes. I had definitely had, like, a lot of different scenarios in my head about how things could go. Like, mm-hmm. Macy the player had a lot of, like... Best case scenario, worst case scenario for Ariel, and it was very linear. Like, my worst case scenario was that everybody would die. Like, somehow Vitrium would get Hudson and Fenton and Noel and just murder them all in front of me, and that would be terrible. But then, like, best case scenario was I get everybody back and I get five-year-old Noel back. And so, like, the learning she was 16 was especially crushing because, like, I knew that my best timeline was no longer achievable in that moment. Yep. I was like, this is it. She's 16. I'm going to get 16-year-old Noel back. Um... I'm going to get her back, but she's going to be 16 and this is nuts. So then, you know, having five-year-old Noel back was like, Mm -hmm. still, it was like a crazy weird, like it's a clone, Yeah. but it's still her. So great. Oh yeah. And then, uh, what was the, yeah. So then there's just a lot of like weird little, well, and it was neat. The whole, like, again, the role play of it all, because I got to have a scene with my seven-year-old son telling him that his little five-year-old sister was actually now his big sister. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had, like, these really cute moments. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think that, like, what I appreciated about you, especially because having, like, a really large group, like, seven people's a shit ton of people. Yep. <laughs> and so having the foresight or the knowledge to split the party before we ended up hating each other and, like, 
oh, yeah. imploding the game. Because I feel like if I had stayed, like, God love you all, but, like, if I had stayed with the funny group, I think I would have actually exploded. <laughs> because, like, no. I personally, I think that, like, maybe Vice could have fit in mm-hmm. to our group. Uh, because he was definitely on the more, like, chaotic to... serious. Yeah, he was able to be serious when he needed to be. Yeah, like, he had some really touching moments with Ariel. I think there was, like, a really nice thing, and he was, yeah. you know, he was funny, but he could be serious. Mm-hmm. And so having that would have been fine, but I don't think that, like, Ariel could have gotten along with any of the other players. Yeah, it's super important to have. If you're going to have a lot of players, everyone has to really be into the role play and giving everyone else, like, time and space for, like, their different scenes and yeah. different stuff like that, which is so yeah. hard. Because I think that in so. in the seven-team sessions, there were definitely some scenes mm-hmm. that I wanted to do that got cut off because yeah, other people or, were talking. Yeah, people well, no, going. there was something that happened, like, right after I got Fenton back. And oh, I, like, yeah. I needed to have a, like, yeah, I was like, this feels appropriate. Something. And then someone made a joke and it killed the mood. And someone was like, didn't you have something to say, Macy? I was like, not anymore. <laughs> Yeah. You dick. Yep. So, anyway. Yeah. I think that was super important. And on the, like, going back to what you said about, like, your best case scenario and worst case scenario, that was a really interesting part of it, like, planning that. Because I knew, I knew really early on that um, I was like, I want Ariel to get all of her family back exactly the way she wants, but she has to not think that's going to happen until the very end. Mm-hmm. Like, that has to be the last moment where she's like, oh my gosh, I can actually do this but only at the last minute. And so that's, it's really, I'm really glad that you had those moments of being like, I, I'm never going to get her back the way I wanted. Yeah. Um, and that was very much like the intention of trying to set it all up so that it was like, you would always be guessing or always be trying to, trying to figure out how this was going to end well. And then for me to just know how it was going to end well. Yeah. Yeah. So now <clears> we're planning Everfall too, and it's just really weird. Cause mm-hmm. like, it's interesting reading the lore. So, like, I think that's yeah. another cool thing is, like, reusing worlds. Like, I know Becca has Ornara, and she's, like, using and building and uh, creating different, like, you know, political structures and different continents and, like, what's more prominent in all these different places. Um, and so I think that having a world that you can use, like, as a DM is really mm-hmm. important. Like, I am running a game, and I have a world that I've created that has four other continents that Whoa. my players probably won't get to. So I have a bunch of different shit I can do on other, you know continents and no one will ever know um and so i think that having that as a dm is a really important or useful tool maybe not important but like very useful it's just useful especially if you have the the interest in world building yeah if you hate world building and you just love combat just throw them into a plane of existence where it's only fighting if you hate role play and love fighting yeah build that world because that's easy and just throw a bunch of tarasks in there Gladiator style. I actually, there's a, it's funny because I actually have even come up with a, a spot in Everfall where we could run like the most murder hobo thing because there's a, which is something I built into the world knowing that I, so I built this spot where there's like just this crack where demons just keep pouring out of. And so it's like, if I ever want to have a bunch of players play like five silly barbarians that are just going to murder demons, they can actually do that. And there's a spot in the world, for it, which nice. I thought was interesting. Hell yeah. But anyways, but yeah. <clears throat> I think. Yeah. That about wraps up the Everfall story. I don't know if that was worth listening to or whatever. <laughs> it was fun getting to word vomit all of that, though. Really, yeah, that was just the cliff notes. therapy for me. <laughs> Good to talk about things that yeah. are on your mind. Um, so, yeah. So, like we said, oh, or like a, what? Should I talk about, like, big things I think I learned damning? Or do you think sure, that's if you can make it quick, because we're already at almost an hour long. Oh, never mind. No, we're good. Okay. Because I, I think know... the biggest thing is be flexible. You know, keep changing your plans. Spend your time on the things that, like, the world building, because those are things that can stay constant. And then the players react to those things. And that way you're not spending too much time trying to control the players. The players are just reacting to what you already set up. Yeah. Oh, and another quick thing that I thought was useful with you. The good guy team, or Mm -hmm. my team, was super willing not to be railroaded, but to be narrated. Yes. And so I think... Like, so that was really important to know. And then knowing that the other team did not want to be narrated, mm-hmm. that was super valuable. Like, you were able to plan a ton of shit yep. for my team, but you almost didn't have anything planned yep. ever for the other team, other yeah. than, like, some basic... Yep, I would sort of start... with For their team, I would usually start the session and say, here's your direction. You need to at least sort of get to here. How you get there, I do whatever you want. And yeah. boy, did they. Yep. <laughs> And then for you guys, yeah, I was able to be more, much more like, okay, this session you're going to go here, 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 and here, probably. 
Yeah. Um, I'll maybe try and just trying to figure out how to get you guys from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was much more planned. Again, I had like the ending of that was planned when you met Cyril, which was like eight or ten sessions prior. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. <clears throat> so I don't know. Also, use backstories. Use oh, backstories. Yeah. Very important. Very helpful. Saves you a lot of time, and the players get really stoked about it. Yeah, hell yeah. Yep. <laughs> Boy, oh, do they. Um, so, yeah. So, I guess that's probably going to be it, because, yeah, we are at 50 minutes, and that's a lot of time mm-hmm. to have talked about D&D, <clears throat> even though we're fucking nerds. So, yep. uh, Cameron, thank you for sitting here and talking to me about Everfall. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for Wonderful. being in my game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thanks for winning that game. Yeah. Um, so, just brief cliff notes here. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear two nerds talk about a game that they were super passionate about, uh, go ahead and click that little like ellipses and share this episode with any of your friends that you think might enjoy this. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, we are on Instagram at unlikely, or at unlikely underscore adventures. We are on Twitter at unlikely podcast. Uh, we're on Facebook, the Unlikely Adventures uh, quest group. I don't think I've posted anything in there in a hot minute. I apologize. I'll get back on that. Um, I still do have one set of dice left, so if you want to leave us a review and let us know that you did, um, I will send you some dice and that will enter you in the drawing to win the book that Becca's parents wrote. It's a sex book for d and <laughs> I believe it's called, uh, it's a role player's guide to sexual situations in fantasy, but I can't, oh, Naughty and Dice, and yeah. it's so good. It's so good. Um... Yeah, a uh, huge thank you to Josh Wildhorn for letting us use his song Leap of Faith. Uh, you can find Josh on SoundCloud. He is, uh, it's soundcloud.com slash Josh Wildhorn. He's also part of a couple of bands. I believe it's uh, Designer Disguise and Rest Repose. So go check him out. I know he just released something on SoundCloud like yesterday and it was banging. Um, so go find that. I don't think I forgot anything. So these two sweaty gym nerds. <laughs> are gonna sign off for the night um yep yep thank you for listening yeah so this has been unlikely adventures my name is macy and we'll see you next week with your regularly scheduled really dumb content Goodbye.